Hey, everybody out there. I'm just an average guy talking about football. College football, that is. Chalk talk. Hey, hey, hey. Good day, beautiful people, and welcome to another week of college football chalk talk. I am your host, C. Boyd, and as always, I am grateful that you're rocking with me today as we discuss week four results of the top 25 teams, as well as preview a few matchups to come in week five. Now, again, I am no expert by any means. I'm just an average guy talking about football, college football, that is. And without any further ado, let's start the show. Now, the fourth weekend of the 2022 season was headlined by Tennessee's victory over Florida, Ohio State's blowout of Wisconsin, USC's road win at Oregon State, Oregon's crazy comeback victory over Washington State, and Kent State being the first team to score a touchdown on Georgia this year, as well as Texas A&M's close victory over Arkansas. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan take the top four spots with Clemson at number five and USC at number six in the post week four top 25 rankings now with the fourth week of the 2022 season officially in the books here are the top 25 teams in college football at number one we still have georgia who defeated kent state now kent state gave georgia a tougher battle than most expected but coach kirby smart's team still won by 17 and a 39 22 victory the Bulldogs lost three turnovers and gave up four point, sorry, five point four yards per play to the Golden Flashes. So Smart and his staff will have plenty of work to focus on this week. Coming in at number two, we do have Alabama, who defeated Vanderbilt. Now, as expected, the Crimson Tide cruised to a big win, fifty-five to three over Vanderbilt on Saturday's on Saturday night's contest. Alabama has won three out of its four games this season by 50 or more points. The defense allowed only 129 yards to the Commodores, while quarterback Bryce Young was sharp. 25 of 36 for 385 yards and four touchdowns. Coming in at number three, we do have Ohio State, who defeated Wisconsin. Now, Jackson Smith Jigba's absence didn't slow Ohio State's offense on Saturday night. The Buckeyes simply recorded 539 yards against a, against a standout Wisconsin defense and a 52-21 victory. Quarterback C.J. Stroud threw for 281 yards and five scores over 17 completions. At number four, we do have Michigan, who defeated Maryland. Now, Maryland represented a step up in the competition for Michigan's first three games against Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, and gave Coach Jim Harbaugh's team all that it could handle. 
the Wolverines used a strong effort, 243 rushing yards from running back Blake Comrum to hold off the, Tur- the Turpins upset bid. But the defense allowed 300 and 397 yards. So defense definitely needs to work. Coming in at number five, we do have Clemson. Clemson defeated Wake Forest in week four. And Clemson's dominated uh, Wake Forest in recent years. But co- uh, but coach Dabo Sweeney's team needed overtime to outlast the Demon Deacons 51-45 to in Winston-Salem. Quarterback DJ Uangolale threw for 371 yards and five touchdowns and accounted for 52 yards on the ground to lead the Tigers to a victory. Injuries in the secondary were problematic for the for the for Crimson usual for Crimson's usual stout defense as Wake Forest threw for 337 yards and drew several penalties on the defensive backs for a passing appearance. Then then we have at number six. USC who defeated Oregon State. Now the Trojans edged Oregon State 17 to 14 in a hard-fought battle in Corvallis to remain unbeaten. Quarterback Caleb Williams had an uneven performance, 16 of 36 for 180 yards, but made a clutch run to convert a fourth down and later tossed a touchdown pass to Jordan Addison to secure the win. USC's defense also forced four turnovers. Now, coming in at number seven, we do have Kentucky, who defeated Northern Illinois. The Wildcats continue to the Wildcats continue to struggle up front in pass protection, that allowed five sacks, and in rushing offense, which only had 103 yards. But quarterback Will Levis through for 303 yards was enough to hold off an upset-minded Northern Illinois for a 31-23 win. At number 8, we do have Tennessee who defeated Florida. Now, the Tennessee-Florida series have been one-sided affair with the Gators owning the Volunteers, but but as last of but at last for 2022, the momentum has shifted in favor of the Rocky Top. Hendon Hooker threw for 349 yards and two touchdowns and added 112 yards and one score on the ground to lift Tennessee to a 38-33 victory over Florida. The defense gave up 594 yards but made enough timely stops to get the ball back to Hooker. Coming in at number nine, we do have Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma State defeated... (coughs) Excuse me. I'm sorry, they actually had the week off last week in week four. <clears throat> and we and so they're uh return to action on October 1st to face Baylor. At number 10, we do have NC State, who defeated UConn in week four. Quarterback Devin Lurie threw for 320 yards and four touchdowns to lift NC State to a 41-10 victory over UConn. The Wolfpack schedule will get significantly tougher the next two weeks with a road trip to Clemson on October 1st, followed by a home matchup against Florida State. Coming in at number 11, we do have Penn State, who defeated Central Michigan. 
Quarterback Shane, I'm sorry, Sean Clifford completed 22 of 34 passes for 217 yards and three scores to lead Penn State to a 33-14 win over Central Michigan. The Nittany Lions will be a big favorite next week over Northwestern and have a looming showdown against Michigan on October the 15th. They better not look ahead and get upset by Northwestern. Coming in at number 12, we do have Utah, who defeated Arizona State. Now, an injury to tight end Brett Keefley was the only downside to Utah's 34-13 win over Arizona State on Saturday night. The Utes faced a critical four-game stretch in their quest to get back into playoff contention against Oregon State at UCLA, USC, and at Washington State. Coming in at number 13, we do have Oregon, who defeated Washington State. A 29-point fourth quarter helped the Ducks escape Pullman with a 44-41 victory over Washington State. Oregon had to overcome early red zone woes with three field goals and an interception return for a touchdown to avoid the upset loss to the Cougars. Coming in at 14, we do have Old Miss. Now, Old Miss defeated Tulsa. Lane Kiffin's team completed its non-conference slate with a perfect 4-0 mark, but the Rebels had to work harder than most expected against Tulsa, winning 35-27. A stingy defense allowed 457 yards to the Golden Hurricanes with 262 coming on the ground. Kiffin and his staff have plenty and plenty to tune up before next week's game against Kentucky. At 15, we do have Washington. Now, Washington defeated Stanford in week four, and Michael Penix threw for 309 yards and two touchdowns to guide Washington to a 40-22 win over Stanford. The Huskies are 4-0 for the first time since 2017, and Michael Penix Jr. definitely deserves some consideration in the Heisman vote. Coming in at number 16, we do have Baylor, who defeated Iowa State. After struggling in a road loss to BYU, Baylor, Baylor's quarterback Blake Sherpin threw for 238 yards and three touchdowns to lift the Bears to a to a 31-24 win in Amos. Next up, a huge showdown against Oklahoma State and Waco. Now, coming up at number 17, we do have Texas A&M, who defeated Arkansas. The Aggies returned to the rankings after a key SEC West victory over Arkansas. Coach Jimbo Fisher's team hasn't solved all of its offensive woes, but running back Devin but Devin Achance came up big, 159 rushing yards, and the offense returned a fumble for a touchdown to give Texas A&M just enough and a 23-21 win. Excuse me. Then we have coming in at number 18, Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State in week four. The Sooners suffered their first loss under new coach Brent Benables with the 41-34 defeat to Kansas State. Oklahoma struggled to contain K-State's quarterback Adrian Martinez 
who is the super, super lifetime college quarterback. Dude has been in college for like a decade. He threw for 372 total yards and five scores. I'm sorry. Yeah, 372 total yards and five scores and struggled on key downs. Just four third down conversions on 13 attempts. Oklahoma definitely needs to get back into the lab and get back to work. They definitely want to have any chance of having any say in the college football playoffs. But with that loss to K-State, they can go ahead and kiss their dreams. Goodbye. Coming in at number 19, we have BYU, who defeated Wyoming. Now, the Cougars used a big night from quarterback um, quarterback Jaron Hall, who threw for 337 passing yards and four touchdowns to guide an offense that averaged 8.3 yards per snap and a 38-24 win over Wyoming. At number 20, we do have Arkansas, who lost to Texas A&M in Week 4. Now, the Razorbacks suffered their first loss of the 2022 season in a heartbreaking fashion with a 14-7 lead on a go- at and, on, and on the goal line to score another touchdown. Arkansas's quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, lost a fumble that was returned for a touchdown by Texas A&M. The Razorbacks weren't the same team after that, but fought back for a chance to win. However, a field goal attempt with under two minutes remaining hit off the top of the upright, dropping Arkansas to 1-10 against the Aggies in SEC play. At number 21, we do have Minnesota. Now, the Golden Gophers joined the rankings after steamrolling Michigan State 34-7 in East Lansing. A balanced attack, 268 through the air and 240 on the ground, guided the offense to a 6.9 yard per snap, and Minnesota's defense held the Spartans to 240 yards and allowed just three, I'm sorry, allowed just two third down conversions on eight attempts. At number 22, we do have Wake Forest. Wake Forest lost to Clemson. But no shame for the Demon Deacons and a 51-45 overtime loss. Quarterback Sam Hartman was excellent. 20 of 29 for 337 yards and 6 touchdowns. But Wake Forest just came up short in overtime on both sides of the ball. At number 23, we do have Florida State who defeated Boston College. Quarterback Jordan Travis returned to the lineup after an injury against Louisville last Friday and guided the Seminoles to a 44-14 win over Boston College. Travis threw for 321 yards and a touchdown, and the defense limited the Eagles to just 235 yards. At 24, we do have Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh defeated Rhode Island in Week 4. Pittsburgh tailback um, Israel Abagata rushed for four touchdowns and quarterback Keenan Slovis was solid in his return from injury. The number 24 Pittsburgh beat Rhode Island 45-24 on Saturday. At number 25, rounding up the top 25, guess who it is? Kansas State who defeated Oklahoma. Kansas State has done it again. Lifetime college quarterback Adrian Martinez ran for 149 yards and four touchdowns and threw for 234 yards and a score. And the Wildcats stunned number six, Oklahoma, 41-34 on Saturday night's contest.
Now, there you have it, folks. That is your top 25 post week four. Very exciting week four. And I know week five has a ton of surprises that we are yet to, to dip, dip, that are yet to come. I hope you guys are definitely enjoying this college football season. I know I am. And after this short break, we'll go ahead and get into some matchups coming in in week five. We'll probably go over like 15, 20 matchups. And um, yeah, just keep running with it. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for continuing to tune in. Now let's go ahead and get into some matchups in week five that should draw some attention. Uh, we do have a Thursday night match coming in tomorrow, the 29th. This is Utah State at BYU. It's a 5 p.m. Eastern start time on ESPN. Now, Jaron Hall is a rising pro prospect, and the BYU quarterback will look to have another big game when he heads to number 19 um, when he when he when he leads the number 19 Cougars into Thursday night's contest against visiting Utah State at Provo Utah Hall has topped 300 yards in back-to-back games and has nine touchdown passes against one interception this season for the Cougars he matched his career high of four touchdown passes and passed for a season high of 337 yards during Saturday's 38-24 home win over Wyoming. He enters the game against Utah State with a streak of 115 consecutive passes without being intercepted. It is his third career it is third career streak of 100 and more throws without being picked off he also has a streak of 163 and 119 in his career utah state has lost its last three games by an average of 31 points the aggies were the the aggies were selected by alabama whipping by whipping fcs program uh weber state and lost its Mountain West Conference opener to visiting UNLV on Saturday. Utah State committed six turnovers in the 34-24 loss to UNLV and five were interceptions from quarterback Logan Bonner. A seventh-year senior who who began his career at Arkansas State and followed Anderson to Logan after the 2020 campaign. Now, a year ago, Bonner set program records of 3,628 yards and 36 touchdowns while being picked off 12 times. This season, he has thrown for 753 yards, 6 touchdowns, and 8 interceptions. The Aggies are averaging just 15.5 points per game while allowing an average of 36. BYU recorded a 34-20 victory over Utah State last season for its fourth win and a fourth win in the past six meetings. The series will go 
on hiatus after the contest because the Cougars canceled the next four seasons worth of games due to upcoming inter- due, due to its upcoming entrance in the Big 12. BYU will lose scheduling flexibility by leaving the ranks of independent programming. Now the ultimate my ultimate prediction for this game, BYU wins of course their fifth victory over Utah State and concludes this series with a convincing dub. Moving on, we do have another game coming on Friday, September 30th. This game is Washington visits UCLA, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. Now, UCLA is working overtime to prepare for, to prepare for Friday night's date with number 15, Washington in Pasadena. Coach Chip Kelly has the Bruins at 4-0 for the first time since 2015. But to stay perfect, UCLA will need to put on will need to put on will need to be on point as it begins a rugged stretch of Pac-10 Pac-12 contenders. It's the second time I reference the Pac-12 as Pac-10. Now Washington is number five in the nation. Washington is number five in the nation in top offense in total offense at nearly 531 yards per game. The Huskies scored an average of 44 points in each of their victories. Now those are the kind of numbers that drew the Bruins onto the practice field last Sunday to put Kelly's think fast, act fast plan into motion against the Huskies as handling the Huskies is going to be a tall task. Washington beat Stanford 40-22 last week in the Pac-12 opener as the Huskies quarterback Michael Penix Jr. completed 22 of 37 passes for 309 yards and two scores. The 309 passing yards was the lowest total in the game this season for the nation's leading passer. And Penix, 347 passing yards per game, outpaced Mississippi State's Will Rogers by less than a yard. But the Washington quarterback has the Washington quarterback has stacked up his total with 46 fewer attempts. The Huskies are using a balanced offense approach. Washington has 142 rushing attempts and 154 passes. First-year offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb cited room for improvement Monday, specifically Washington's red zone efficiency. The Huskies have scored touchdowns on 64% of their 25 trips inside the 20. The number, the, 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 the number 72 ranked national, and they're ranked 72 nationally in the red zone proficiency. UCLA has held points in nine of its ten opponents' red zone, ten opponent red zone opportunities, by but allowed a touchdown rate of 60%. The Bruins gave up two red zone touchdowns in the Week Four rump over Colorado. The conference opening win marked the third time this season UCLA has scored 45 points, boasting their 20th ranked. 20th ranked 41.8 points per game scoring average. The Bruins will aim to continue that offensive success, but want to avoid a shootout against an opponent they know well. Current Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer 
was at Fresno, was at Fresno State when the Bulldogs handed the 2021 Bruins their first loss of the season in a thriller 40-37 track meet decided on quarterback Jake Henner's touchdown pass with 14 seconds remaining. Now UCLA's defense enters the week gearing up to make life difficult for Penix and the Washington passing attack. The Bruins are among the nation's top 24 defense and sacks creations with 11 and a win on a short week can be extra sweet for Kelly's note for, for Kelly's team, especially what's to come in the pipe. The Bruins face number 12 Utah and number 13 Oregon the next two weeks. My prediction for this game, Washington wins and Penix Jr. begins his high school, no, I'm sorry, his Heisman recognition campaign. Moving to the weekend, we do have Saturday, October 1st, Michigan at Iowa. 9 a.m. Eastern start time. Excuse me. That's a... 12 a.m. 12 Eastern Start Time. This will be on Fox. Now Michigan visits Iowa, where the top five teams go to die. Michigan heads to Iowa, where the top five teams generally are defeated. Michigan undefeated and ranked number four. Yet, in a way, the Wolverines feel like an underdog against unranked Iowa. The Hawkeyes have a history of knocking off highly ranked opponents that pass by their that pass that pay a visit. This will be the ninth time in the Kirk Frenzit era that Iowa has hosted a top five team. Iowa is a remarkable five and three in those games, including victories in five of the past six. One of those victories, a 14-13 squeaker came against number two Michigan in 2016. The Wolverines are leaving their comfort zone of leaving their comfort zone of home for the first time this season. They defeated Maryland in the Big Ten opener on Saturday, 34-27. Running back Blake Crumman has already racked up nine touchdowns while averaging 7.5 yards a carry. In Michigan's final non-conference game, he tied a school record with five rushing touchdowns against UConn and then turned into a workhorse workhouse last week against the Turpins, rushing for a career-high 243 yards on 30 carries and reaching the end zone twice. Now, Corum and the Wolverines offense will face by far their stiffest test to date. The Hawkeyes have allowed just 23 points this season, the fewest points given up in the first four games over the past 66 years. The Iowa defense scored more touchdowns than their offense in their conference opener last weekend. Iowa led 17-3 at halftime against Rutgers thanks to a 45-yard interception and a 30-yard fumble return for a touchdown. The Hawkeyes were outgained 361 yards to 277 yards, but made it hold up for the 27-10 victory. Ball security and smart decision-making will be crucial for either team this weekend. 
If either team is not as sound as they can possibly be, then it's going to be a rough matchup. Now, the Hawkeyes know it's the Hawkeyes know that it can be in for a rough one if the Hawkeyes don't generate more consistent attack and they'll have to try to contain Karam and Michigan's quarterback JJ McCarthy. Playing the game at home would aid to the cause, but only to a certain extent against a highly ranked opponent. But the home crowd can only do so much. Each and every play is going to feel like an NFL playoff game. Iowa's offense has been ordinary this, thus far, ranking last in the Big Ten in scoring and total offense with 17 points and, 200 and 232.5 yards a game. Quarterback Spencer Pettis has completed just 51% of his throws with one touchdown. The rushing game hasn't been much better, averaging only three point yards, averaging only three yards a carry. Now my prediction. Let's see here. The Hawkeyes will score first, and the matchup will be tough. But Michigan will lean on a strong running attack and be the more physical team to secure the win. Now, another matchup that we do have coming up on Saturday. This is Oklahoma at TCU. This is uh, 12 Eastern start time, ABC. Oklahoma's defense was torched by a mobile quarterback, and they lost to Kansas State last week. The season might not get any easier for the number 18 Sooners when they face quarterback Mike, excuse me, Max Dungan and host TCU on Saturday in Big 12 game at Fort Worth, Texas. Kansas State quarterback Adrian Martinez ran for 148 yards and four touchdowns and a 41-34 win over the Sooners. And Dagan has three career games with more than 100 yards rushing and ran for 92 against Oklahoma in 2019. This season, though, Duggan has just 33 rushing yards after being sacked five times in last week's 42-34 win over SMU, but he has excelled through the air, completing 77% of his passes for eight touchdowns and no interceptions. TCU enters the game ranked number nine nationally in total offense, averaging 510 yards per game. The Horned Frogs are averaging more than 215 yards on the ground with Kendra Miller and Emery, Emery um, DeMarco leading the way. Oklahoma is number seventh in the nation in total offense, averaging 513 yards a game. Though the Sooners have posted big numbers, they've fallen behind early in each of their past three games. The game will be a major step for a pair of first-year coaches. For Oklahoma's Brent Venables, it's a test of how his team responds to its first loss of the season. The Sooners have a lost. The Sooners have lost back-to-back games in a regular season since tw- since 2000. And in 2020, Oklahoma fell to Kansas State and Iowa State on consecutive weeks to start Big 12 play. For TCU's coach Sonny Dykes, Saturday's game will be the first against a ranked opponent after the Horned Frogs started the season with the win over Colorado, uh, Turlington, State, and SMU. The Sooners have won eight consecutive games in this series, with the Horned Frogs' most recent victory coming in 2014. 
My predictions for this game, the Sooners will bounce back from last week's loss and seek to dominate TCU. Now, the Horned Frogs will put up a good fight, but Oklahoma will pull out the victory. At num- uh, Then we have another matchup coming up, Purdue versus Minnesota, 12 p.m. Eastern start time on ESP2. Now, after a 34-7 win over Michigan State on Saturday, Minnesota's coach P.J. Flick says that sometimes the difference between being a team or just simply being a group boils down to the defensive culture and intensity. If that's true, the Golden Gophers are as much of a team as anyone in college football. Number 21 Minnesota will look to continue terrorizing opposing offenses on Saturday when they face Purdue in a conference matchup in Minneapolis. The Gophers have allowed just 24 points this season. They've also allowed the fewest average yards per game in the nation, 187.8, with the next closest team, Alabama, at 201.2. Thanks to those impressive defensive numbers and the lethal rushing attack, Minnesota has slid to the top 25 for the first time this season. One player who has experience in the program is senior running back Mohamed Abraham, the centerpiece of one of the top backfields in the country. Minnesota has averaged the second most yards per game on the ground, 294 yards, and has 17 rushing touchdowns, which is tied with Michigan for first. Abram has rushed for over 100 yards in each of his first four games, and he has eight touchdowns, including at least one touchdown in each game. Purdue's coach, Jeff Broham, knows his defense can't overreact to the run because if it does, it'll get picked apart by Gophers quarterback Tanner Morgan. The Boilermakers will need to tone, will need to tune up things in the de- in the department if they want to have any chance in slowing Minnesota. Purdue allowed 419 yards in a 28-26 win over Florida Atlantic last Saturday and gave up a touchdown with seven seconds remaining one week earlier while failing 32-29 against Syracuse. Purdue quarterback Adrian O'Connell also will look for revenge on Saturday with his team trailing 20-13 in a fourth quarter against Minnesota last season, O'Connell threw an interception on the Boilermakers' last offensive drive. Morgan then kneeled twice to run out the clock, handing Purdue its fourth consecutive loss against a conference rival. My predictions for this matchup, Minnesota has dominated the all-time series lately winning eight out of its last nine meetings and i feel they continue to dominate by dominating the the game and getting their ninth victory over purdue another matchup that we do have uh texas tech versus kansas state another 12 p.m eastern start time espn plus kansas state has been ranked in each of the past three seasons and in four and in four and five but in each of those seasons, the Wildcats have been short-time visitors in the top 25, ultimately finishing out of the rankings. In 2021, the Wildcats debuted in the polls in the fourth week with a 3-0 record, then lost 
the next three games in 2022, they reached the number 16 spot with a 4-1 record and lost their last five games. In 2019, they made their first appearance once they've got once they got to three and zero. Then lost the next two games, and again after beating Oklahoma, they were ranked again, only to fall out of the only to fall out with successive losses. Now, they hope last week's victory over six-ranked Oklahoma will give them the boost for sustained success. Kansas State arrived in the polls for the week at 25 after defeating the Sooners on Saturday for the third time in four years, 41-34 in Norman, Oklahoma. Kansas State quarterback Adrian Martinez, lifelong quarterback, lifelong lifetime college quarterback, threw for the 234 yards and a touchdown and rushed for 148 yards and four touchdowns on 21 carries. He was named Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. The 41 points were the most Kansas State has ever scored in Norman, and it was quite a turnaround after the Wildcats' lack- lackluster effort in a 17-10 home loss to Tulane the week before. Now, the Wildcats will host Texas Tech, which is coming off of a thriller 37-34 overtime victory over Texas. The Red Raiders also are looking for a sustained rise. A week ago, they were coming off a 27-14 loss to NC State before turning the, before turning in the outstanding performance against Texas. Tech trailed Texas 31-17 late in the third quarter before rallying to tie the score at 31 when they capped the comeback with Trey Wolf's 45 yard field goal and an apparent 34-31 victory with 21 seconds remaining. Their emotional fortitude was tested when Texas tied it on the final play of regulation. But the Raiders forced a fumble by B. John Robertson and the Longhorns possession in overtime and soon after Wolf won, won it with a 20-yard field goal. Ah, oh, man. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Now, b- prediction, both teams come into this matchup 3-1. and one, And I think the running ability of the lifetime quarterback, Adrian Martinez, helps the Wildcats get past Texas Tech and gives Kansas State another week hanging around in the top 25. Another matchup we do have coming on Saturday, Kentucky versus Old Miss. Another 12 Eastern start time on ESPN. Now, a matchup of ranked SEC teams, number seven, Kentucky, and number 14, Ole Miss, will try to shake off last weekend's sluggishness when they meet in Oxford. The Wildcats ultimately took care of their non-conference business with Northern Illinois, a 26-point underdogs, but it wasn't easy. The Mid-American Conference Huskies tied the game at 14 just before halftime. In the first minute of the second half, Kentucky quarterback Will Levis found Brian Brown for a 70-yard touchdown, and the Wildcats held on to win at home in Lexington, 31-23. Levis went 18 for 26 for 303 yards with a career-high four touchdowns. The 300 yards, the 300-yard game was the seniors' third this season, but he was pressured by the Huskies most of the game and was sacked five times. 
He connected for plays of 40, 69, and 70 yards from all touchdowns. The Wildcats will need better Wildcats will need better things starting with passing protection against a Rebels whose defense was suffocating through its first three games before showing a lackluster performance or a few cracks in a 35-27 home win over Tulsa on Saturday. Ole Miss couldn't put away Tulsa which arrived on the Oxford campus as a three-touchdown underdogs. The Golden Hurricanes played most of the game without outstanding quarterback Davis Brin, who left the second quarter with an injury, yet nearly matched the SEC school in yardage 462 to 457. Old Miss scored 28 points in the second quarter to take the 35-17 halftime lead, but the Rebels went scoreless in the second half. The Rebels and the Wildcats last met in 2020 when the game went to overtime 35-35 in Lexington. After Kentucky scored with his first possession, kicker Matt Ruffalo missed the PAT and the Rebels took advantage as Elijah Moore caught a touchdown pass from Matt Curl and Luke Logan booted the extra point for the 42-41 Ole Miss victory. Kentucky will welcome back top returner uh, top returning rusher Chris, Rod- Chris Rodriguez Jr., who has finished serving his four-game suspension. In his absence, Kentucky has averaged just 81 and a half yards rushing, a 2.4 yards average. Cavassier Smoke has averaged 5.2 yards on his 51 carries with one touchdown. Now, last season, Rodriguez totaled 1,379 rushing yards on 225 carries with nine touchdowns and scored three more times with passing receptions. Against Ole Miss in 2020, he posted 133 yards and two touchdowns. Now, for the Rebels, true freshman Quinshawn Junkins earned SEC Co-Freshman of the Week honors after gaining a career-high 140 yards on 27 rushing attempts against Tulsa. The 5'11", 210-pound rusher has reached 100 all-purpose yards in three of his four out in three of his four outings. Now, my predictions: I think Kentucky has an impressive resume thus far on the strength of schedule to start the season, gives them the slight edge to be more to be the more physical team, and this will be a close matchup. But the Wildcats will ultimately get the victory. Another matchup we do have coming on. This would be a 12.30 Eastern start time on the Pac-12 network. Oregon State visits Utah. Now, after a near upset of number seven, of then number seven, USC, Oregon State will have another opportunity for a statement victory with the Pac-12 this Saturday, but must do so on the road against number 12, Utah. The Beavers lost 17-14 to the Trojans last week, while the Utes open conference played with a 34-13 victory over Arizona State. Oregon State could not overcome the four interceptions thrown by Chase Nolan against USC. Nolan was hit by a USC defender while passing on three of the four interceptions. His last interception came on the Beavers' final possession at their 46-yard line. Utah was triumphant against Arizona State in the Sun Devils' first game without terminated coach 
Herm Edwards. But the Utes suffered a major blow when they lost all-conference tight end Brett Kerfley. Went down with a season-injuring lower leg injury. In 51 games, Kefley caught 148 passes for 1,882 yards and 16 touchdowns. He ranked 8th overall in school history in receptions, marking the most by a Utah tight end since 1996. This season, Kruthi led the Utes in catches at 19, was number 2 in receiving yards, 206, with three touchdowns, Winningham mentioned that Keithy is within the four-game redshirting window, one-third into the season, and has the option to return for a fifth season, if so choose. Dalton Kincaid, who caught two touchdown passes against Arizona State, becomes the number one tight end. He has 16 receptions for 240 yards with four touchdowns this season. Two matters of concerns for Oregon State include the Utes' pass, pass rush and rushing defense. Nolan struggled when he was under pressure, for, um, under pressure from the Trojans' defensive line as Oregon State's rush for a season-low 153 yards against them. Utah maintained... Utah, Utah uh, maintained... Meantime... Sacked Arizona State's Emory Jones five times, two five times. The Utes held Arizona State to six rushing yards. The Beavers often rotate running backs, who who have accounted for 499 rushing yards and seven touchdowns in four games. My prediction for this game: this is going to be a tough matchup between two three and one teams. But I think Utah has a slight advantage and will be able to create more turnovers and run the ball effectively to secure the win. Another matchup we do have coming on 12:30 Eastern. This is on CBS. This will be Alabama versus Arkansas. Now Alabama will try to continue its dominance of the SEC rival Arkansas on Saturday when it travels to Fayetteville in one of four matchups this weekend between top between top 10 excuse me between teams in the top 20. Number 2 Crimson Tide have won 15 consecutive games against 20 ranked Arkansas 20 ranked Arkansas Razorbacks and have not lost a matchup in a series since 26, sorry, 2006, the year before Nick Saban arrived at Alabama. This will be the Tide's second road game of the season and first against a conference opponent. It on, in its only road game so far, Alabama narrowly escaped with a 2019 non-conference victory over Texas on September 10th. The Razorback last defeated Alabama in 2006 at home and could use a major bounce-back victory after blowing a 14-point lead last week's 23-21 loss to the number 23 Texas A&M. Arkansas led 14-0 before the Aggies scored 23 unanswered points. The Razorback pulled within two, but kicker Cam Little's 42-yard go-ahead field goal with one minute and 30 seconds remaining in the game bounced off the top of the upright. The loss 
cost the Razorbacks a chance to start 4-0 in consecutive seasons for the first time since 1998 and 19 I'm sorry 1988 and 1989 while preventing the team from winning their first two SEC games since 2006. It's also cost them 10 spots in the top 25 rankings. Now each team begins a tough stretch in the schedule in, in the schedule Saturday. Alabama which ranks fifth in the nation in scoring and sixth in total offense, has number 17, Texas A&M, and number eight, Tennessee, on the schedule. Arkansas follows this week's game with three consecutive road games at Mississippi State, number 19, BYU, and Auburn. Both teams have run the ball well. The Razorbacks rank ninth nationally with 243 rushing yards per game just ahead of Alabama which ranks 10th at 235 rushing yards per game. Arkansas's Raheem uh, Sanders leads SEC with 508 yards on 83 carries and has three touchdowns while averaging 6.1 yards. Quarterback KJ Jefferson has 274 rushing yards for four touchdowns in addition to his 941 yards through the air, eight touchdowns and only one interception. Off of 68 of 97 passing attempts. Quarterback KJ Jefferson is a dual threat. He's wise, he's big, he's strong, and a really good passer. The Razorbacks has a lot of quarterback runs, which will create another gap on the defense. To go with that, they have a great play, play action passing game. Alabama has a stud of their own, with reigning Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young who has completed 83 of 121 passes for 1,029 yards, 13 touchdowns, and two interceptions so far, while rushing for 150 yards and two scores. My prediction. It's going to be an action-packed game in Fayetteville on Saturday, and college football will be stunned when Arkansas defeats Alabama in Week 5. Just sit tight, folks, and enjoy the ride. Another matchup that we do have, Northwestern visits Penn State, 12.30 Eastern on ESPN. Now, Penn State and visiting, <laughs> excuse me, Penn State and the visiting Northwestern return to Big Ten play Saturday at State College after drifting, after differing results against Mid-American Conference's foes last week. While number 11 Penn State overcame early sluggishness to defeat Central Michigan 33-14, Northwestern spurred to a 17-14 defeat against visiting Miami of Ohio. Northwestern knows it must do its best to dispute to disrupt Penn State's quarterback Sean Clifford, who was 22 of 34 for 217 yards and three touchdowns through the air against Central Michigan and gained 23 yards rushing with another score. Now, Northwestern is winless since opening the season by defeating Nebraska 31-28 and Dublin, Ireland on August 27th. The Wildcats' latest defeat wasn't decided until the final 21 seconds on Saturday when Graham Nicholson of Miami of Ohio connected on a go-ahead 36-yard field goal to cap a 17-14 road victory for the Redhawks. Northwestern has lost each of its games by one possession, while quarterback Ryan Haleski 
passed for 257 yards and had a one-yard rushing touchdown against Miami of Ohio. The Wildcats are looking for more urgency from their offense. They have averaged just 20.3 points a content since the season opener. Northwestern running back Evan Hall leads the nation with an average of 181 all-purpose yards per game, including 92.5 yards on the ground. He'll be looking to get on track against the Nittany Lions after being limited to 62 yards on 21 carries against Miami of Ohio and with just 10 yards on two receptions. My prediction for this game, Penn State has a 14-5 advantage in all-time series and they continue to show their dominance over Northwestern this weekend with an easy win. Another matchup we do have on Saturday, we have Rutgers visits Ohio State. Another 12.30 Eastern game on the Big Ten Network. Now, the fate of Saturday's game at Columbus, Ohio, could be decided at the coin toss when number three Ohio State hosts Rutgers in a Big Ten Conference matchup. Bad starts have been the norm for the Buckeyes the past two games, giving Rutgers fair warning if they win the coin toss. The Scarlet Knights might want to consider receiving an opening kickoff and keeping that potent Ohio State offense off the field as long as possible. In the Buckeyes' 77-21 victory over Toledo on September 17th, Coach Ryan Day decided to receive the opening kickoff rather than defer to the second half. Ohio State scored a touchdown on its first possession and the next six possessions as well while reaching the end zone on 11 of its 12 drives. When Wisconsin won the coin toss last week, the Badgers elected to kick the kickoff. Bad choice. The Buckeyes went 88 yards in six plays for a 7-0 lead, intercepted the Badgers on their first series, and quickly scored again. By halftime, the Buckeyes had four touchdowns and a field goal in their first five possessions en route to a 52-21 win. The Buckeyes are third nationally in scoring at 48.8 points a game, but Rutgers, whose head coach was the defensive coordinator and associated head coach at Ohio State from 2016 to 2018, will rally on its defense to stay in the game. Rutgers, number two against the run, ninth in total defense, and 25th in scoring defense. Shiano acknowledges Rutgers which lost 27-10 to Iowa in its conference opener last week, hasn't faced a team caliber of the Buckeyes. Another concern for Shiano is at quarterback. Senior Noah Riddell is recovering from surgery, and sophomore Gavin, uh, Gavin Wimsat has been injured, leaving third-string sophomore Evan Simon as the as the lone scholarship quarterback versus Iowa. Simon was 28 of 49 for a career high 300 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions including a pick six against the Hawkeyes. Now my prediction for this game, Ohio State will have no issues with Rutgers and will hand the Scarlet Knights a beatdown towards the road to getting 5 and 0. Another matchup we do have Wake Forest versus Florida State. Another 12:30 Eastern slot, ABC. Now off, now off to its best start since 2015. 
and ranked in the top 25 poll for the first time in more than four years. The number 23 Florida State will aim to keep its hot streak going Saturday when the Seminoles host 22 Wake Forest in Tallahassee. The Seminoles are undefeated and ranked after thrashing Boston College 44-14 at home Saturday night. Last Saturday night. Meanwhile, the Demon Deacons are coming off its first defeat of the season, a 51-45 overtime loss to Clemson. Through four games, Florida State has been solid on both sides of the football, scoring 37.5 points per game while allowing just 18.8, both of which rank on the top 35 FBS. With a win over Wake Forest, would what they went over Rake Forest would go a long way in making the Seminoles bowl eligible for the first time in Norvell's three-year tenure. Florida State hasn't won a bowl game since 2017, while Wake Forest went toe-to-toe with Clemson last week at Winston-Salem, but couldn't score in the second overtime, gaining just four yards on four plays in its final possession of the game. Demon Deacons quarterback Sam Harper tossed a career-high six touchdown passes, and the fifth-year quarterback now has 13 touch now has 13 touchdown passes, tied for fifth best in the nation. Against Florida State, Wake Forest pass defense will have to be better. Clemson's DJ Uangalale torched the unit for 371 yards and a career-high five touchdowns through the air. Now, my predictions for this game. Now, Wake Forest is 8-30 all-time against Florida State with one tie, but the Demon Deacons have won the past two meetings, both at Winston-Salem. Florida State has won all five of its game in Tallahassee since 2008, but will fall short to the Demon Deacons this week as Wake Forest pulls out the victory. Another matchup we do have coming up Saturday, we have NC State versus Clemson, 4.30 Eastern start time on ABC. Now, Clemson has been in its share of high-stakes showdowns in recent years. For the second consecutive week, the number five Tigers will be matched with another nationally ranked ACC team. This time, the stakes loom even larger as number 10 North Carolina State visits for Saturday night's clash in Clemson. Both teams hold 4-0 records, with Clemson 2-0 in ACC play and NC State preparing for its first league game. As of Tuesday, the game remains on schedule despite potential impact from Hurricane Ian, which is projected to make landfall in Florida late Wednesday night, early Thursday. NC State hasn't won at Clemson since 2002 when it's last held a top 10 ranking. Last season, the Wolfpack pulled out of overtime victory against the Tigers to snap an eight-game losing streak in the series. Clemson will challenge NC State's stout defense. The Tigers have 175 points this season, marking their, marking their highest total through four games under coach Dabble Sweeney. Sweeney has, defeat, has defended quarterback DJ Uangolole through some pass snuffles, but uh, last weekend's double overtime victory against reigning SEC division champion Wake Forest, Angolole can hold its own. Sweeney's team 
are 120 against SEC competition, and the Wolfpack defeated the defeated the top 10 Clemson team in 1987, 1988, and 2011. Now this is the first meeting with both teams in the top 10, and only the fifth matchup both teams ranked. NC State has put together an experienced roster counting on team veterans to hold it together in Death Valley. This is NC State's first road game since one point escaped the opener this season against East Carolina. NC State's quarterback Devin Leary has thrown 60 touchdowns, 60 touchdown passes this season, tying for fourth in the school's career list. Clemson running back Will Shapley is fourth in ACC rushing with an average of 88.3 yards per game. His seven touchdowns, all rushing plays, share the conference lead. My prediction for this game is that NC State's first visit to Clemson since 2018 because of a reconfigured 2020 schedule due to the pandemic, and I believe the Wolfpack have the veteran leadership to get the Tigers to keep the Tigers at bay and come out with a victory. Now the final game that we'll go ahead and discuss this week or for this week is a late game. 11 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Now after a wild comeback win over previously undefeated Washington State on the road last week, number 13 Oregon is on a three-game winning streak with Stanford coming to Austin Stadium in Eugene on Saturday night. The Ducks trailed 34-22 more than halfway through the fourth quarter, but ended up scoring 22 points in the final four minutes to stun the Cougars. After a rough start to his Oregon career and his team's 49-3 loss to Georgia, quarterback Bo Nix has been the, sig- the signal caller the Ducks hoped they were getting when he transferred from Auburn. Nix completed 33 of 44 passes for 428 yards and three touchdowns and also ran for 30 yards against Washington State. The 33 completions and 428 passing yards were both career highs. Oregon has a 21-game winning streak at Austin Stadium that started in 2018. It's the third longest and longest active home winning streak in FBS. The Ducks have also won their last 15 home conference games, which is just one win away from matching the program's record. Oregon's offensive line has played well, and the Ducks have yet to allow a sack while every other team in the country has. Oregon leads the nation with a 94% pass blocking grade for pro football focus. However, Stanford leads the overall series between the Pac-12 rivals with a 47-34-1 record. The Cardinals, though coming off a 40-22 loss to to then number 18 Washington in Seattle last weekend, will definitely play the Ducks tough. Coach Shaw isn't happy about the kickoff, kickoff, which is at 8 p.m. local time, Pacific time, and suggests that the game should start no later than 7 p.m. Shaw's concerns revolve around the difficulties for student-athletes to get rest and get schoolwork done on a day after a game if the athletes don't get back to the Bay Area until early morning, which is a valid reason. They are students before athletes. 
Oregon will be the third straight top 25 program Stanford will face after losing to number to then number 10 USC on, on September the 10th in Washington last week. Running back E.J. Smith will miss the rest of the season due to an unspecified injury Shaw announced on Tuesday. Smith had 206 rushing yards in two games for Stanford. Casey Thickens, will, will, who started in place of Smith, had 20 carries for 100 yards and added two catches for 29 yards against the Huskies. Shaw said Thickens will be the leading running back going forward. Now my predictions for this game. Like I said, Stanford always plays Oregon tough and will again rise to the occasion. But Oregon will continue to be physical under Dan Lanning and will stand any blows that the Cardinals have to offer. It will be a tight first half, but Oregon will pull away in the second half en route to a victory and become 4-1. And there you have it, my friends. Those are the games we'll preview for week five. I hope your matchups are going to be exciting and your team is victorious unless you are a Stanford fan. And I wish that your week continues to be a success. Again, I am your host, C. Boyd, for this college football chalk talk. As always, I appreciate you guys rocking with me and just going and listening to my opinion as we talk about this beautiful game called football. I hope you guys continue to have a beautiful week, a beautiful life. Make sure you subscribe to the College Football Chalk Talk so you can stay up to date on new episodes. As we continue to grow on this platform, we'll continue to get creative and continue to get fresh. Again, I thank you. I appreciate you. And I hope you guys have a great week, great life. We'll talk to you next week.